you know, I think we're so much more than what it is that we, we do. I think we can also have a purpose or what I call like a career mission statement that's not necessarily tied to what we're doing at that particular moment that can carry you throughout the course of your career. Hi guys, we're your hosts, Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi, guys. Hope you're all doing well. Jill, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing well, but it's a bit of a shit show. There's so many layoffs happening. I know. It's like a very unstable employment time right now, and I'm sure it's a bit of a stressor for a lot of people. So I think today's topic is going to be super, super helpful because we're talking about how to bounce back from a layoff and what to do if it happens to you. And we called in Letitia Bird, who is a certified career coach. She's a talent development consultant, and she's the CEO of Bird Career Consulting. She is also just a delightful person to talk to, and she was so helpful in this episode. Man, layoffs are so pervasive right now, and they can happen Mm -hmm. for a million different reasons. I mean, just with COVID alone, as of the end of April, 7.3 million Canadians applied for federal aid through CERB because of the repercussions of COVID. And a recent report released by Stats Canada found that one in five Canadian businesses had laid off more than 80% of their staff. That's insane. That's crazy. And look, we know everyone says this, but it's so important to know that if you've been laid off because of company cuts or restructuring or COVID, it has nothing to do with you personally. So please don't blame yourself or feel like you've done something wrong and internalize it because it's so out of your control. Yeah, that is so key. But obviously, it's still going to feel like shit no matter what we tell you. So just remember that if you have been laid off, you are in hella good company. Anna Winter, Janelle Monet, Amy Adams, even Oprah have all lost their jobs at some point, And I'd say they're thriving right now. Yeah, I, I, I'd say they ended up pretty, pretty well. So there, <laughs> there's hope out there. But I know, Jill, yeah. you've had some experience with layoffs. So maybe you can walk us through what you've been through. Yeah, I mean, it fucking sucks. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a good time. I have been laid off twice uh, since the beginning of my career in the magazine industry mm-hmm. and both of them rocked me a lot although the second time plunged me into quite a bit of depression and I just feel like I lost my identity I lost a lot of my worth yeah. I just felt kind of hopeless and just really scared about what was going to happen next because I had put so much of my identity and who I was into this job one of the biggest things I learned was that you need to have a life outside of your job yeah. and you can't make your the definition of who you are all linked to a job because if you lose it you just completely lose your sense of self and it took a lot of therapy and a lot of self-work to detach myself from like success it's right like, okay you are more than a job title you were more than this goal that you've always had and it's really hard when you end up at the magazine you want the dream job you want everything that you've been working towards you get there and then you know, your company shoves 60 people in a room and lays you all off at the same time. And it's, I was shook. Yeah. And the rug is sort of pulled out from under you. And 
I mean, that was hard. I was like, that was, where do you go now? Yeah. And that's an industry shift too. Like things yes. change drastically across Canada. Yeah. So it wasn't like you could just easily hop into the same role at a different company. So you had to like pull a Ross Geller and pivot. Yeah, it can be tough. But I did learn a lot of important things that I couldn't see at the time. But now I see all the good things that came from it. And so there's a lot to take away and you might not be ready to see it now. But trust me, being laid off can really teach you about balance and about Mm. how harmful being a workaholic can be because I was a I was obsessive I was a workaholic and there is nothing like being arbitrarily laid off despite being one of the most hardworking people in the company right to give you the perspective that you have to put yourself first because at the end of the day you I hate to say it but you're always disposable put yourself first and and if you are feeling worthless or bad about yourself because of a job loss challenge those thoughts csi the shit out of them ask yourself do i have any proof that i was bad at my job no i was loved i I did a great job this was a restructuring this was not a reflection of who i am and also look for it as an opportunity to examine your career path because i I think Mm. being laid off many times from magazines made me pivot and explore other industries way sooner than I would have otherwise. You can just get very comfortable where you are and believe it's the only path. And when you get fucked over by a company, it helps you see that there are many ways to get to the place that you want to be. But Letitia will talk more about that. Another thing I want to mention is the importance of the relationships that you have fostered in the place that you've been laid off by. Because leaving on a good note is so valuable. I got really good opportunities down the road, even recently with previous employers because even after I was laid off, I worked really freaking hard. I busted my butt to make sure that my team had everything that they needed. I just left with a lot of grace. So you don't want to screw over your team. You want to make sure you're leaving on a good note and you want to network as much as you can, even literally on your way out the door. Like the first time I was laid off from a fashion magazine, I was like being laid off and immediately booking coffees with everyone I knew in every arm of the business. And it resulted in me not even being unemployed like I was laid off and pretty much a week later I started in a new capacity for a different branch of the company I was working for because I just went to everyone I knew while it was fresh and said hey guys you know all these layoffs just happened I was part of them here's all my letters of recommendation here's everything I have to offer is there any room for me anywhere in the future especially because I feel like it can be really easy to just want to shut down right after that Mm -hmm. but if you can channel that those feelings into like kicking ass and networking and getting your name out there that is just gonna pay dividends tenfold good for you man a hundred percent thanks man I'd also like to note for people managers out there nobody wants to lay people off like Mm -hmm. it's not a good experience for anyone but if you can take the compassionate and human approach it makes a huge difference because I've had humane layoffs and I've had really shitty layoffs where I felt like I was like just cattle being like herded out of a building and it's not a good feeling I had access to my one of my manager's calendars and so I saw the meeting booked to lay me off in advance one time and I was just plummeted into like days of anxiety because you know it's coming and there's nothing you can do about it and it's a manager's responsibility to grow help grow their team and if you are laying someone off especially if it's for reasons outside your control and the company's just making these cuts like you should you should help that person if you are a good manager and you care about people help them and I mean I have to acknowledge that I was super privileged in all of these cases to be able to find that silver lining and like make pivots and explore other industries because Mm -hmm. I wasn't in a dire financial situation. So I didn't have to 
just immediately take the first thing that came along. I was able right. to be intentional about everything. So I'm I'm really lucky and I understand if people out there just need employment to be able to have food on the table, then you got to do what you got to do. And even if you're not ready to see the silver lining, that's okay. You can be really mad right now and you can be like, you can be depressed for a bit and you can just be whatever it is you need to be, but know that it will get better. You will get through this. I am living proof of that. And so is Oprah. Yeah. So let's talk logistics. So what are some things that you can do leading up to a layoff? So first things first, get your ducks in a row. So if you sense something is coming and you know COVID may result in layoffs or something's going to shift in your industry, do everything you can to prepare for that. Don't let anxiety consume you and don't be paranoid 24-7. Just sort of like low-key, get your shit together just in case. So Letitia is going to touch on this later on, but that might look like keeping your resume up to date. Literally, as soon as you finish a project or you do something awesome or your boss gives you a gold star, put it on your resume. I do this all the time. Like once a month, I keep it up to date because you just, you never know. And it's always good to have. And you'll forget these things that you do that you kick ass at that should be on there. So just keep note. And just as it's important to keep your resume up to date, it's also good to like you apply for jobs and, and interview or just have a little coffee chat with someone at a company that you're interested in just to brush up on your interview skills so you're not going in cold turkey when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Another really important thing to do is to set aside money for an emergency fund. So essentially, that's just putting a couple months of expenses away just in case you get laid off or just in case you need that cash later so that you're not in a bind when the time comes and do not touch it. That way it gives you the financial freedom to figure out what you want your next career move to be. You don't have to take the next job that falls on your lap. You can be really strategic about it if you're in a good, solid financial place. And it's probably not the best time to be making risky investments either. So if you don't have an emergency fund, but you do have some investments, maybe think about selling some of the high risk ones so that you have enough money to put that emergency fund together. That is great advice. and. Another hot tip and one of my biggest lessons, keep your portfolio, all of your connections, all of your work, the things you're proudest of, your networking contact list, keep it backed up on a personal computer or on a drive because Mm. once you've been laid off, you're going to lose it all. Like say goodbye (laughs) to that email. Say goodbye to everything you've ever done. Your computer will be taken away. Your email will be closed down and it's all gone. And that happened to me and it was freaking brutal as long as it's you know like not against company protocol all of that all of the corporate disclaimers that i must make fill them in here (laughs) insert here (laughs) back that shit up and keep it for yourself so that you have a portfolio and you have all of those connections that is so smart devastated like i was so smart especially if you're in a creative industry because you want that portfolio and you'll want it right away i love that Mm -hmm. so smart so Let's talk about what to do when it happens. We touched on this a little bit, but when you're getting laid off, ask your former boss what a tangible example of any training, certifications, or experience that you could get in the interim before you find your next role would look like. I know Google offers a lot of certification courses. In Toronto, there's companies like BrainStation that can help you brush Mm -hmm. up on your digital skills. Figure out what would make you stand out. And I think if you have a human boss who is not an asshole hopefully they'll help you with that right in this moment when they're laying you off they're going to have their compassion turned all the way up they're going to feel so bad that they have to do this and they're going to be very willing to provide any guidance that they can that's a good and point. on top of that while you're top of mind and while they're feeling real bad ask them for those reference letters or those linkedin reviews anything that could help you and that could capture the value that you had for this company strike while the empathy is hot because yes. that's the perfect moment to do it so now after after you've been laid off, you're going to get a severance package and you're going to want to th- 
review it very thoroughly follow Mm -hmm. up with hr with any questions you have hr is at your disposal you have to follow up with them probably for like tax reasons and for all sorts of reasons after you've been laid off so make sure that you're looking into that looking at all the details receiving the severance that you deserve so canadian law specifies that you are entitled to one week of severance pay for each year of employment that you have with a company but a lot of non-union employees are entitled to significantly more severance pay and sometimes that's even outlined in your like welcome package when you join a company so look back to that make sure mm-hmm. everything is adding up and consult with a lawyer if you feel that you've been wronged make sure that you're getting what you deserve you don't need to just like scurry away with shame you are entitled to what you're entitled to so be an advocate for yourself and read that fine print. (laughs) And if you're laid off, you will likely not have access to your health insurance coverage anymore through your company. So that's another thing you can look into if you need it. Or you could use it up hella fast if it's still active. Oh, I used it up so hella fast. (laughs) I was like, I had probably a month because that was part of my severance. You still get coverage um, for like a certain period of time after you're laid off. I got new glasses. I got so many massages. I got like everything you could get, I was getting. Another thing to keep in mind is find out what your next steps are in any retirement plans or company investments that you have because sometimes you have to shift it into a new account by a certain time or there's penalties you have to pay and you just want to make sure that you have full control over that that money. Um, Sometimes there's options to leave it in with the company, but again, maybe get a financial advisor who can help you make those decisions. So on a more personal note, once you've been laid off, this is a big time for you to prioritize self-care. Now is this small window in your life where you get to focus 100% on you while you get yourself back Mm -hmm. on track right before you re-enter the workforce. You better believe I was going to therapy like two to three times a week when I got laid off. I was working out four times a week. I was catching up on sleep that I hadn't had for a long time. Just prioritize you because if you are... If you're just in such a bad state of burnout and you're not mentally taking care of yourself, it's going to be hard for you to show up as the person that you can be in interviews. And it's going to be hard for you to make good choices about the future that you want. Yeah, that's that's super important. And Letitia touches on that, too, because she one of her big points was have a strategy and self-care can be included in that Mm -hmm. strategy. But just get really clear on what you want your your next career move to be so that you're not just jumping into that next bad career situation because you're acting from a place of fear and scarcity and having that self-care and taking that time to like really think about where you want to be is going to be so important. And you can almost treat it like a like a full nine to five job like maybe the morning is self-care and then the afternoon you're reaching out to your network and then the rest of the day you're putting your portfolio together it's just really helpful if if you can afford to be very intentional with the jobs you're applying to and we understand that's 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 a privilege for a lot of people it'll just make you happier in in the long run and get help from a career coach too if if you're lost now's a good time to be putting in that self-work absolutely and part of that strategy is also taking time to align on your values so what mattered to me in my first job which was like working at a really cool you know label or brand and the kind of the clout that comes with a certain job title all of those things five years down the road after a layoff they may not matter you might be like oh my god I'm so burnt out what matters to me is flexible hours and being paid what I'm worth so take that time once you've been laid off to come up with your strategy to be really tactical about what you're applying for and to figure out what your values are and only pursue jobs if if that's possible for you that align with those values and also you can get really tactical about filling in that employment gap I mean I know 
a lot of people, if they have a big gap before they get their next job, they have a lot of anxiety about how to discuss that when they actually do have an interview. I have found in my experience that especially, I mean, I'm in the media industry and layoffs are so, so pervasive in this industry that it's almost like a rite of passage. If I go into an interview, I'm like, ah, yes, I was a part of the the layoffs at this company of 2018. Everyone's like, ah, of course, of course. Like everyone just knows someone who's been affected of it. And they're like, welcome to the club. We've all been laid off by that company. And so it's not something you need to be ashamed of. Like it really, truly isn't. So if you were taking courses during that time, if you're like, hey, I didn't work for an entire year. It was a tough job market. It was COVID. I got laid off, but I did expand my portfolio by taking on some side projects and, you know, started my own little graphic design mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. or, you know, took a bunch of online courses and just do things that can help expand you to be a more well-rounded person. And then you can share that and be really proud of that time during an interview. But we are not the experts. So we called in Letitia Bird. She's a certified career coach, talent development consultant, and founder of Bird Consulting. Letitia works with top talent and organizations on career empowerment, leadership development and diversity, equality and inclusion. She's also a Google digital coach and worked with companies like Universal Music and Walmart. And she's appeared in the New York Times, Vogue Business, Forbes and more. Her resume is insane. She's literally done it all, all the while helping thousands of people thrive in their careers. Teach us how to survive a layoff, Letitia. Thank you so much for taking the time and we would love to know more about your career journey and what led you to start Bird Career Consulting. Yes, so thank you for having me. I started my company, Bird Career Consulting, five years ago. So in 2015, I had five internships when I was in college, went straight into graduate school, started at a pretty large organization right out of school. And Through that experience, a lot of people started reaching out to me for advice on how to get jobs, how to get into graduate school. And that's ultimately how my business started. Again, it was more so of a hobby for me. And I said, the next person that asked me for help um, on a resume or, you know, with the interview, I'm just going to charge them. And so that's what led me to launching my company. We've served over 2000 professionals all over the world and Uh, in a variety of industries. I've since moved my company to focusing more on career coaching and also diversity and inclusion and equity work. I'm very passionate about helping women and helping people of color achieve their career goals. And so I also run a membership club called Career Chasers Members Club. Now it all goes back to my mission, um, which is to really help people build confidence, clarity, and control in their career. And then also to help companies create equitable and inclusive workspaces where all of their employees can thrive. So what are three things that people can do immediately after they've been laid off to better their position and just make themselves more hireable in this really tough job market that we're in right now? The biggest thing is to not take it personal. And there's so many people that reach out to me when they have been laid off and they really internalize that. And they think, well, it was something wrong with me. It was something that I did. But look at this economy that we're in. There's so many other people that are being laid off right now. And so the biggest thing, number one thing is to not internalize that. 
to not be or feel guilty at all and to really take it as you know, a blessing in disguise. Like maybe it was time for you to move on, right? And I think for even the clients that I've worked with who have been laid off, they've said, you know what? I was actually really unhappy here anyway. So, I mean, getting laid off really sucks, you know, wouldn't put it on anyone else. But I think this is now leading me to the path that I really, really want to be on. Second thing is to make a plan. Think about what type of companies you want to work for, Think about the type of positions that you want to work, that you want to do, and also what it will require of you from a positioning perspective to get there. Do you need to work on your resume? Do you need to update your LinkedIn? Do you need to, you know, brush off that little black book and go through your connections um, and figure out who you can get plugged in with? And then the third thing is to actually execute on that plan. And I'm very distinctive in splitting those into two because sometimes people will jump straight into, okay, let me apply, let me apply, let me apply. But then sometimes if you don't have a strategic plan, if you don't set a goal of people to talk to, you know, jobs to focus on, like you're going to really not be as efficient in the process as you as you should. So those are the three things I would say. I love that. That's great advice. I've gone through a few layoffs myself and I know that I kind of lost my mind if I didn't have a strategy. Like you need to oh, yeah. almost operate as though you have a job even if you don't have a job because that's how you get a job. You need like a strategy and you need to know yeah. what you're going for and you need to start like reexamining your your toolkit and your skills. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, have a schedule. You know, like, and I would say, like, take a week or two if you can, depending on your living expenses and your budget to just heal and relax and work. But yes, you need to have a a schedule. You need to have a strategy. Our bodies don't really do well with big adjustments. And so when you go from working every day to not doing anything and not like having any goals for the day, I mean, that can really start to, to mess with your mental. Going back to what you said about internalizing job loss, even if it's, as you said, even if people can realize that it's not personal, I know from experience that it can really shake you emotionally and mentally, not just financially, and it can kind of unsettle your self-worth and Mm -hmm. your identity and your confidence. So how can you bounce back from that blow and use it as an opportunity for growth rather than for just kind of hating on yourself? So the biggest thing is to be vulnerable, but It's so interesting how when people are looking for work, they don't feel like they don't want to say anything, right? Because sometimes we look at someone looking for work as maybe they're not valued, you know, because they don't have a job or they think that they're doing something. There must be something wrong with me because I don't have a job, right? But at the end of the day, people hire people. And so talk to people, you know, ask for help. Ask for them to look at your resume. We get so caught up in our heads and what we don't bring to the table and what we don't have that we completely overlook what we actually do bring to to the table and we diminish our own skills and our experiences and those things that really will make us stand out um, in the application process. So, you know, the biggest thing is to talk to your loved ones, you know, ask them for, for help be careful with how we're talking to ourselves. Like we have to give ourselves grace at this time too. I think that's so incredibly important. Um, But 
having a relationship with yourself is something that I, I've been on that journey, you know, for the last, I would say maybe 15 months, I started going to therapy last May or June. And that was the biggest thing that we talked about in the first session was self-compassion. And I think we can all use more self-compassion at this time with just how tough things are with the social unrest and the economy and the pandemic, like (laughs) it's a lot going on right now. Um, So you got to surround yourself and be as intentional with like that positive self-talk as you are with that negative self-talk. Do you have any tips on, I know you specialize in confidence and since confidence can be so like anchored in what you do and it's like something that people lead with when they meet people. Oh, what Mm -hmm. do you do? And it, for me, it was like a very defining feature of my own confidence. And so I found I lost a lot of confidence when I lost my job. And then when I got another job, a lot of confidence came back. How do you help people with that confidence, whether they do have work or don't have work? Like, are there any strategies that people can use? So I think when we think about our identities, Like, it's just so much more than what we do. It's really who we are. I think we can also have a purpose or what I call like a career mission statement that's not necessarily tied to what we're doing at that particular moment that can carry you throughout the course of your career. So I would encourage everyone to put together like a career mission statement that's not necessarily tied to a job title and what you're doing at that current moment. I love that. That's so great. Kaylin and I were just talking about this in (laughs) in our last episode um, about how a big lesson for me has been finding like a meaning and a purpose and a vocation Mm -hmm. rather than putting like hanging all of my hope on one job. Think about who you are outside of what you do. We're wives, we're partners, we're, we're mothers, we're daughters, we're sisters, we're, we're travelers, you know. I want to explore other areas of myself that's not tied to my profession. And I think that we have the opportunity to do that right now because a lot of us aren't traveling or going into the office. Many of us are now just adjusting to this whole virtual digital life. And so part of me now is like, okay, career, business unlock, like what other things do you want to learn about? And when you think about podcasts, like there's so many podcasts out there, there's so many books out there. And I just want to be very intentional about the other areas in my life I want to grow so I can identify what I need to be learning, what content do I need to be consuming? And I think this is the time to do that. So you talked a little bit before about having a plan if you have been laid off and why that's so important. Um, But could you tell us a little bit more about what you've coined the career readiness toolkit? Because I thought it was awesome and why it's so important to have one to build resilience if you are laid off. Career readiness is a term that's really used for youth. You know, I know like I've developed career readiness curriculum, you know, for nonprofits and universities. But the thing is like, we, we never stop working on our careers because we're taught that you go to school, get a degree or choose your major, get a degree, get this job. Great. You'll stay there forever. You're retired. Like clearly that's just not true. We change jobs all the time now. And I think it's great that we are taking the opportunity to explore different things. 
But again, we're never 100% ready. Like it doesn't stop once we get the job. And so with that career readiness idea, it was more so around how can you make sure that you are always ready for the next best thing and the next opportunity. The best jobs come sometimes when you're not even looking. So what does that mean? It means you got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So that means keeping your resume updated always, keeping your LinkedIn profile updated, continuing to network. Those things should never, ever stop. Because one, you don't know when your dream job is going to come that you weren't even looking for, or you don't know if you know a layoff could happen or Let's say you wake up one day and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, right? (laughs) So having that toolkit already like ready to go is going to set you up for success. So you can use your mental energy, actually building your your visibility or your credibility online. You're right. You literally never know when opportunities are going to come. And I mean, that's how I got the job that I'm in now. I wasn't necessarily looking by any means, but I... My network was good. I had a great relationship with the team. And when an opportunity opened up, I was like, oh, wow. So I love that. I think your network is literally everything. And it's so important to keep those contacts hot, even if it's been like a year. Just, you know, say happy holidays around the holiday time and just kind of keep keep the pulse on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And I'm so glad that you said that, because that's something that I encourage my clients and you know, my audience is like, hey, holidays is a great time to reach out to folks that maybe you haven't talked to in a while and say, hey, happy holidays. I'm I'm thinking of you. Right. Or send a holiday card, you know, send an email and you never know if they're like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad you reached out because I was looking for someone that has this experience. On the point of networking, do you have any advice on how to do so right now with people who aren't already in your network when the, like it's so complicated to forge connections and meet people when mm. we're stuck at home and the pandemic is looming. So how can people go about doing that in a way that's not, you know, annoying? A cold call LinkedIn outreach. Yeah, yeah the, the, the cold reach outs on LinkedIn are so weird now. They're like, hey, I like your profile. Do you have two hours to chat next week? Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) No. So networking is really about building relationships, you know, and it's a two-way street. It's relational and it's not transactional. Biggest thing is to not look at networking as like a, I'm taking something from you, right? That's the first thing, right? So number one, before you even go into these conversations, is to know that you have something of value to add as well. So one, know that it's a two-way street, but also when you think about it being more relational and less transactional is to think about where they're most active, the people that you want to you know, really build relationships with. Are they more active on LinkedIn? I will say that Twitter for me is my favorite platform for networking. Folks don't have like, the mask on <laughs> on LinkedIn is very like professional, like hello, it's so corporate. Yes, yeah, yeah. I am here and I'm working. But Twitter's like, hey, I'm out here doing my thing, you know. So I think people um, are a lot more relaxed and it's a lot more informal and casual on Twitter. But not not saying that LinkedIn isn't great for networking because it is. So one, see where they are more active and like actually start engaging in what they're saying. Don't just jump straight into someone's inbox without doing your homework, right? Because I wouldn't want someone to reach out to me and they're like, hey, oh my gosh, I want to talk to you. But it's like, why do you want to talk to me? One, 
what it is, what is it about me? So show that you've done your research, um, but then figure out a way to engage with the content that they're already putting out. So like if this person posts a lot of articles and things on LinkedIn, send them a message and tell them that you enjoy their content and maybe some of the things that you've learned and also share an article or something that definitely complements the content that they're putting out or comment on their stuff, share their stuff. Same with Twitter, you know, you got to meet people where they are. So when you actually do land an interview, how do you advise that candidates broach the topic of their layoffs? Being laid off has nothing to do with like your experience and skills. You're not lacking anything at all. It either was a company restructure or they had to cut back financially. So I think that one is you don't have to go into the details of it. Now, the other thing that I see folks do is because maybe they, again, they freaking hated where they worked. It was bad culture. They didn't like their boss. Like they hated it all. And so I realized when folks don't like their work, they shy away from talking about how much value they actually added. Because it's kind of like an out of sight, out of mind thing. You know, once you move past a toxic experience, you don't want to relive that. I get that. But unfortunately, you want to make sure you are focused on the positive, right? Like you don't have to, again, you don't have to go into the details of the layoff and all that and how it happened, but it's, hey, you want to make it about that company, the job you're interviewing for. You could say, hey, like it was a great experience or you don't have to say, you don't have to lie. I'll be honest with y'all. Like I'm just so true to me and authentic. I don't even encourage my clients to lie. You can say it was an experience, right? You don't even have to say it was a great experience, but here's what I did in that role. And here's how it's aligned to, you know, this position and, and where I'm trying to take my career in the future. Don't we, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the work that we've done. And that's why it's so important to actually focus on your value as specifically. And especially if you have the interview, like they're interested in you. So although you might think that that gap on your resume is is like standing out in bold red writing, it's really not like they're there because they think you're a qualified candidate. They think you're super talented. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes back to what you're saying about that confidence piece and just remembering your worth and your value. Yeah. That's what's important to bring to the table. There are a lot of interviewers that don't really know how to interview. You know, you as the interviewee, if you feel like you're going in a a direction that is not actually selling you for the role, it's okay to actually dial it back and to get focused and say, you know, I really don't feel comfortable going into details about it. I would love to really just talk more so about my experience and this position. Like, it's so okay to do that. And then as a career coach and someone who's obviously talked to a lot of Uh, professionals and leaders at corporations, what traits have you seen and has your team seen that you find top talent have that set them apart from others? You know what? It's not even about the actual skill of the job sometimes. It's more so about are you you a solutions-focused person? You know, are you able to really think strategically I think storytelling is a huge skill. And I mean, communication in general, but storytelling is a huge skill as well. But can you actually communicate your work and your value and what you do to a three-year-old? Like I have my clients, even as I help them with 
drafting a career brand story. I'm like, explain this to me like I'm three years old and five years old. Because sometimes we assume that the other person knows what it is that we're talking about. And we're speaking either so high level that we're not focused on results. You know, we're not focused on our value add. We're being too general or generic. So, you know, storytelling is huge. Being solutions focused is huge. I love the idea of trying to not not dumb it down, but just explain what you did to a five-year-old because I remember when I I was interviewing for a role I was practicing my tell me about yourself with my husband and he was like I have no idea what you're talking about because I was using all this like digital jargon and all these like acronyms he's like you gotta you gotta stop you gotta stop we gotta rewrite this yeah so it's like focus on like who you help and how you help them and what are the results from that Like if you can get really clear on those three things and then you have your supporting evidence, like you're, you're going to be really solid. I was thinking about this like randomly yesterday, enthusiasm and like showing excitement for a role goes a long, long way. Interview fatigue is a real thing. But one thing that I will say is that showing excitement is so important. And I think that shows up in different ways because companies actually do wonder like, okay, we, I couldn't really tell this person was really interested or were they just kind of going through the motions? And so if we don't show that excitement and explicitly state that we are excited about the position, um, then they may not be able to tell. And do you have any other advice for people who are interviewing and if there's any like key questions that people should ask in interviews right now to make sure it's a good fit? I, I think that you should make or interviewees should make the interview conversational as much as possible. Ask questions throughout the interview instead of waiting to the end. And that very first question that you would want to ask is what are the three things like you guys just asked me, like, what are the top three skills someone needs to be successful in this role? Ask that as early as possible in the interview. That way, when you're giving your interview responses, you can make sure that you are like demonstrating those skills somehow. I mean, it's also like the sales, like interviewing is sales, you know, low key, right? So when I go into sales meetings with my clients, like I, and I know it's different for an interview setting, but I want to know upfront, like what problems are need to be addressed here? What gaps need to be filled in here? Where are you struggling the most? What are you looking for in a consultant? So that I can make sure that even when I'm following up or when I go to the next meeting with the CEO or whoever, like I can take information from that initial conversation to the next one. I guess another one you could ask too is, um, do you have any questions about my experience or is there anything on my resume that we weren't able to address? Because maybe they wanted to ask something else and they got caught up in the interview and forgot to ask. And then the other thing is to always ask about next steps too. Always, always, always ask about next steps. It's so interesting how many of my clients or people were, people will reach out and they're like, hey, I interviewed with this company like three weeks ago. I haven't heard anything. What should I do? And then when I ask, well, what did they say about the process? They're like, oh, I don't know. They just said they would be in touch. I'm like, oh, see, now you're waiting, right? So like just to be inquisitive about the role company and that person too, 
So don't only ask questions about uh, the company or the position. Ask questions to that person directly about their experience and what they enjoy and maybe what they don't enjoy, what they find most challenging, because the interview is also an opportunity to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. I love that. I I've had to hire quite a few people in some of my past roles, and I totally agree with literally everything you said. Like the candidates that I ended up hiring were the ones that I had like a really good conversation with. They asked me questions throughout. They wanted to get to know me because to your point, it's just as much them interviewing the interviewer because Mm -hmm. that's your potential boss. You need to make sure you like that person too. So yes, love it. Gold star on everything. Yeah, (laughs) that's amazing. And to add to it, is there... Do you have any advice on how we can all be broaching the subject with potential employers of the diversity and like inclusiveness Mm -hmm. programs that they have? How can we Mm -hmm. inquire as to what each company is doing to show up in that regard? Yeah, I think we just ask flat out, you know, like how is how is your company supporting or what what are the biggest goals from a diversity and inclusion perspective or How is your company supporting women and people of color, whatever those identities that are most passionate to you? Like how how is the company supporting or advancing um, their careers for women, for those in the LGBTQ community, for those with disabilities? Do the research, see what's on their website, see what they're saying that they do and ask specific questions about that as well. But I think that in 2020, this is not something that we really want to shy away from. So you touched on Twitter, but what are your thoughts on using LinkedIn as a way to build your own personal brand and just increase awareness as to to you, to future employers? Because I feel like I've seen a lot of people almost microblogging on LinkedIn. There's a lot more storytelling on LinkedIn, I find now than there used to be, which is interesting. I'm horrible at LinkedIn, so this is going to, I'm listening very, very closely (laughs) to what you're about to say. Well, first thing first, I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is think about your career mission statement, not attached to your company. Like, who do you help or who do you serve? How do you do it? What are the results that people get out of working with you? So um, I teach a lot of LinkedIn workshops. And one thing I'll say first is make sure that your profile is complete. (laughs) So the summary, the headline, experience, education, courses that you're taking, certifications, like make sure that someone can actually see that on your profile. A lot of folks have great experience, but they don't really have their LinkedIn complete. So that would be the first, first thing. Even with that professional summary, you know, tell a story there, like talk about what you're passionate about and what your mission is. Um, And then it's so important to actually be active on LinkedIn. And what I tell like even the ladies in my membership club to do is take it one section at a time um, when you're updating your profile. And then also just commit to spending 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day on LinkedIn, going in, sending requests or liking and commenting on posts. And I think you mentioned the, the blogging too. I mean, anybody can write an article and post it on LinkedIn. And so that's important. Um, Sharing articles related to your industry. You know, I always encourage my coaching clients to post at least three times a week on LinkedIn. 
so that they can really start to increase like those profile views and visits and clicks and all that. I mean, it's such a great platform to expand that visibility. You know, you can also search for people by job title and company and location. So it's a great way to really have a targeted approach and create a list of the type of positions or the type of roles that you would like to work in or the type of people that you would like to connect with. Um, And you can find those folks very, very easily on LinkedIn. I've got my work cut out for me. I need to start. I need to go from zero to three times a week for sure because I'm definitely overlooking it and Kaylin's like a big LinkedIn Uh-oh. I, I like LinkedIn. I, I know. Do. I need to I, get on that. I don't love the creepy DMs, but I but I like sharing <laughs> articles and connecting with other people. On LinkedIn, the goal is to increase your visibility and to expand your reach. And I will say that going back to your point, yeah, there's nothing wrong with cold reaching out. But just be very specific and clear. Um, I have a friend who works at at Google, and she said people would reach out to her all the time because they're like, "Oh, you work at Google? Oh my gosh! Like, I want to work there too." But it's like, what about her experience? Like, why her? You just found a person, you saw Google, and you went for it. So instead of doing that, you should say they could say, "You know what? I saw that you went from this company." to this, I'm actually doing something very similar and I'm looking to go on that same path, right? Do you have any advice for me or just make it very specific about that person? Um, And that is going to definitely help to increase the likelihood of them responding. Love it. That makes sense. So one thing we like to ask all of our guests is what's one thing you wish you had been taught in school? There are a lot of things that we just haven't been taught that we literally have to learn on the fly not just speaking for me, but also in the work that I do, self-discovery. Like we need to give youth, even young adults in college, like the opportunity to really learn more about themselves. And it's unfortunate that I was actually doing some research about this last week, but we think that we're motivated by extrinsic things like money, cars, shoes, whatever, but it's really that intrinsic stuff. Like, do you feel fulfilled? You know, do you feel like you can be creative? And so I wish we could take a step back and help people really understand the root of who it is that they are. Like, and what do they enjoy? What are they passionate about? What are they interested in? What are they actually good at? Because there's so many folks that go through life and they don't even know themselves. And they try to get fulfilled by like a high paying job. And like, I know a lot of people, even people that reach out to me and they're like, hey, I'm making $200,000 a year or more and I'm still deeply unsatisfied. Like I will throw this all away if I could actually like love myself and love the work that I do. Chills. Yeah. (laughs) Snaps to that. Oh oh my God. I, yeah, that hits hard. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So self-discovery, but it's a never ending process though, you know? That's true. But imagine learning self-discovery in your final year of high school and just having a full course dedicated to that. And just the framework, because I feel like a lot of people, like I'm a very, I'm a very self-aware person. I spend a lot of time examining like my shit and thinking about my shit (laughs) and doing therapy and all that. But my, 
my friends and family members that really struggle with that, I feel like they don't know, they don't have the framework. They're like, I'm not a journaler. I'm not like, I don't want to go to therapy. And so they just don't even know how to broach it. Sometimes we're we're scared of ourselves, right? It's the scariest thing probably at the end of the day. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh, exactly. This has been so great. We would love for you to share um, where everyone can find you and follow you and consume all the great things you put out there. Yes, so I am on Twitter and Instagram, same handle. Letitia underscore bird. I'm very active on Twitter, pretty active on Instagram too. Um, easy to find on LinkedIn. My website is LetitiaBird.com. So check it out. There you have it, guys. We hope this episode with Letitia helps you hold on to hope and realize that good things are still possible, even in a tough job market. We'll leave you with a quote from Maya Angelou. I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. So good. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time.